0: When we built the gym, I don't know if any of you were around when we did that, Um, that was in 1990, 1989, 1990, we had the sort of the surrounding parts of it and we were putting the trusses up in the gym and we built them all and uh, we did it on a Saturday and I was on the the flat part on this north side and... uh, carrying stuff, doing something, I forget. what. I wasn't paying attention, and I walked off the end of it, and uh, I fell about, I don't know how far it is, about 10 feet onto the concrete floor. And as I stepped off, a thought popped into my head, this is going to (laughs) hurt. And uh, I hit the concrete and uh, knocked me out for a few minutes, but didn't break anything. Sprained and bruised a few body parts but uh happened to land uh just basically full frontal flat and i guess enough stuff landed that it all absorbed it and my uh uh, nose was a little sore but uh i survived but I, i will never forget the thought i had as i was going off and hitting i bet this is gonna hurt and uh it did i read uh today about a guy in australia a couple of weeks ago who went skydiving and uh, he'd done it 6,000 times so he was an uh, expert and his chute didn't open up and uh, he hit the ground and died obviously it said that broke most of the bones in his body and I thought uh, I wonder when he pulled the ripcord and nothing happened if he had a similar thought (laughs) I bet this is going to hurt or uh-oh, or something of that sort, because you have a fair amount of time uh, if the chute doesn't open up before you hit the ground while you're kind of reviewing life and thinking about what's next. Uh, that wouldn't be a good feeling when you pull that and nothing happens and you continue to fall. Uh, I guess if he's in heaven, I'll ask him when I get there. Tell me about what you thought about, you know, as you were hurtling towards the earth and nothing stopping you. So, in your notes tonight, number one, many people think they are Christians, headed to heaven, and they aren't, and they aren't, and they're headed for hell, and they don't know it. So, you die, and you stand before the Lord, and He says, uh, "Sorry. What's the thought that's going to pop into a person's head when they hear the news that they're?" lost they're headed for hell for eternity and they thought they were going to live in heaven i wonder if it's going to be a oops or uh oh or whose fault is this or what kind of thought will pop into their mind matthew 7 jesus says many and that's an interesting word it's not a rare occasion this this is going to happen many will say to me on that day, that's the day that we stand before him, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? So obviously there was a religious uh, nature to their life in the sense of what they were doing, how they were spending their time. They're not what you'd call pagans. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And at that point, that's where I wonder, what is going to go through a person's mind at that uh, particular point in time. Number two, everybody who thinks they are a Christian should check out their faith regularly. So, uh, the question is are you? Yeah! Are you sure? Absolutely. Uh, There should be um, enough apprehension about getting to that point and hearing that word depart from me I never knew you that we would go through some steps to make sure uh, and in fact Paul says in 2 Corinthians thirteen five, test yourselves test yourselves this is a self-applied test to see if you are in the faith examine yourselves or do you not recognize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test unless you fail the test and so uh, exactly what kind of test is that when I was in college you know, you had uh, true and false. Those were, uh, I mean, you could do that with a coin. And you'd get 50%. If you knew some of them, then you might, get, you might even pass the test with little study. Uh, and then there was multiple choice. That was a little bit more. You had to flip the coin twice. Uh, a, B, C, or D. You know, you get the first half and second half. And then there was the uh, essay. Uh, those were the tough ones you had to really study for because, you know, you had to write uh, what one of the classes I attended, the joke for the class was that uh, we got what was called a blue book. It was just a soft blue covered thing with about 12 pieces of blank paper in it lined and that uh, the professor would put it on a scale after the test and the more it weighed the, more, the higher your grade was. Uh, so the, the, the point was write, just write if you're in the class for an hour. He had three questions on the chalkboard. Each question was worth 33 and a third points. And so you wrote as much as you could on the first one, as much as you could on the second one, as much as you could on the third one. And if you filled up 12 pages, you might get an A. But I like true and false. Those were the best. Because, again, I don't know, I'll just flip a coin. Ah, okay. And uh, So, what kind of tests do you take to answer the question? Am I going to live with God in heaven forever or maybe I don't know what's the test number three the first test the first question is do I have a growing hunger for a changed life and am I in pursuit of righteousness I don't know if you know this about me but I'm addicted to food And uh, it's an interesting kind of question to have people. Are you addicted to anything? You know, TV, games, drugs, alcohol, gambling, a lot of things you can get addicted to. Uh, I'm addicted to food. Uh, I just like it. It tastes good. And I try to not eat it and lose weight, but it seems like when I try hard not to eat it, I eat more. Um, But I just, because I have this hunger, and when I go, I fasted, five days and I was like consumed. I couldn't think about my wife. I couldn't think about God. I couldn't think about the Bible. I couldn't think about fishing. All I could think about was food. That was it when I didn't eat anything. And so one of the things that the Bible says is that we have this appetite for righteousness if we are truly born again. We have this hunger and thirst for righteousness is the way Jesus puts it in the Beatitudes. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is the classic passage for salvation. Uh, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now we really like that because it's a gift. No works required. But that's verse 8 and 9, verse 10 goes on and says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works. Now we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them, that we would walk in them. Sometimes we say should, but it says that we would. We are His workmanship. He created us, He made us, and when we're saved, we're born again, and His Spirit works in us. And a result of that salvation will be that we will desire to do good works. Now, if that desire is not in a person... If you ask yourself, you're going to take the quiz, the, the test, am I a believer or am I not? The question is, do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Or is it sort of a passive thing in my life? Titus chapter 2 For by the grace of God, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us, to redeem us. That's a great word, to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Paul's talking to Titus who is his mentor, as it were. He is training him to be a pastor. And he says, now this is important. Preach it, preach it, teach it. Don't let anybody say, hey, enough of that stuff. Uh, Zealous for good deeds, it starts out by the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. But the purpose is that we would live sensibly, righteously, godly. He redeemed us from every lawless deed. He's worked in us to purify for himself a people zealous for good deeds Hebrews 6 9 but beloved we are convinced of better things concerning you things that accompany salvation that accompany salvation 1 John 2 he himself is the propitiation for our sins that means he paid the price he picked up the tab all the consequences of our sin Jesus paid on the cross not for ours only but also for those of the whole world by this we know we know we know We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. By this, we know, good question to ask. Are you a Christian? Yep, how do you know? Well, I asked Jesus in my heart. Uh, I went forward at a Billy Graham crusade. So, what's the Bible say on how we know? By this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. The one who says he abides in him ought to walk the same way he walked. Now, I'm far from perfect, you are as well, but when I sin, I grieve over that sin, I repent of it, and I ask God for strength to conquer it and to grow. That's the indicator, that's the desire, it's the hunger and thirst for righteousness. And Jesus declares that in the Beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so that's a key uh, Am I saved? Do I want to grow? Do I want to serve Him? Do I want to become less uh, sinful, more righteous? The second test is, am I bearing fruit? Am I bearing fruit for God? We tend to think that's an option because we aren't saved by works. But if we are genuinely saved, then the result will be that we will bear fruit. Matthew 3.10, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees, therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Hebrews 6.7, for ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled receives a blessing from God, but if it yields thorns and thistles it is worthless, close to being cursed it ends up being burned and then the the passage that i read earlier but the full beginning a little sooner every tree every good tree bears good fruit bad trees bear bad fruit a good tree cannot produce bad fruit nor can a bad tree produce good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down thrown into the fire so then you will know them by their fruits not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles and then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. shoot doesn't open up. And it's a uh-oh, moment right there. And the key is bearing good fruit. That's how we know. John 5, 15 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. John 15, 16, you did not choose me. I chose you, appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. So first test, am I hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Second test, am I bearing fruit? And the third test is, am I running the race that God has set before me with endurance? With endurance. So this uh, is a series on Colossians, and somebody may have thought I thought this was on Colossians. We haven't heard anything about Colossians. Well, this is the passage uh, that we're looking at tonight. I just didn't start with it. Colossians one nineteen through twenty three. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. That is in Jesus. And through him to to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless beyond reproach, in order to present you before him holy and blameless without reproach, if indeed... If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. And so it's uh, 19 to 23, you could say which of all the words in that passage are or is the most important word. And I would suggest it's the word If. If, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, if you continue. The writer of the Hebrews says the same thing. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Number six. Once we are genuinely saved, we can't lose our salvation. Uh, the eternal security of the believer is a given. But if we aren't really saved, we will fall away. And so this uh, problem is uh, pseudo-salvation. That is, people who think they are believers and aren't and don't discover it until the day they stand before Jesus and hear him say the words, depart from me. And at that point, there is... Uh, there's no, whoa, 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 let's, can I, let's, can we do a do-over? I went down to Palm Springs this last week with my uh, daughter Hannah and her husband Kyle and their three kids, Patty and I went with them, we drove two days down and then were there for five and drove two days back, had an awesome time with them and I played golf with my son-in-law who's a good golfer and... uh and because of COVID there weren't very many people down there in this particular place we were at and so when we played there was not hardly anybody on the golf course and so you weren't pushed and so uh, this golf course every one of the if you know anything about golfing every one of the tees was an island there was water all the way around where the hole and the flag were and so you had to hit it over water needless to say I lost a lot of golf balls and so I, I would tee the ball up, or I would hit it and get it down to the point where I was going to uh, hit it over the water, and it would go in the water, and I would say to Kyle, Kyle, can I have a do-over? And uh, he says, say, sure. I said, do I have to add it to my score? He says, that's up to you and Jesus. <laughs> and so, anyway, I got quite a few do-overs, and one of the cool things is that the houses were right next to the fairway, and I hit a house. And I went over in the yard to get the ball and there was a guy there and I said, I- I'm sorry. And he said, oh, that's alright. It happens all the time. I says, so I imagine you get quite a few balls in here. He said, oh yeah. I, he said, see that box right there? There was a big box clear full of golf balls. He says, take as many as you like. So all the ones I lost I made up for. In fact, I got more. Uh, I took a, filled up my bag full of golf balls. Uh, so you're standing before Jesus and he says, depart from me. And uh, Can I have a do-over, Jesus? Too late. It's like falling with no chute opening up. There's nothing that can fix that at that point. So it's a whole lot better to know for sure and not to be naive about this whole issue of our salvation. Hebrews 3, 6, Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if... We hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Hebrews 3.12, take care, brethren, take care that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if... If we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end, 1 John 2:19, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. If they had been, if they had been, if they had been genuinely born again and saved, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they are, they all are not of us. Matthew twenty four eleven. many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Many people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end, he is the one that will be saved. Revelations two ten. do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested. You will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. 2 Timothy four seven, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the course, I've kept the faith. Number seven, a fourth test of our genuine salvation is do we love Jesus? So the, the problem, and we'll t- I'll talk about that in a minute, of this pseudo-salvation is that our definition of believe has become uh, intellectual. John 3.16 has been sort of the The key passage, Uh, God loved the world, He gave His Son, and whoever believes. And uh, the problem is is we've made that word belief mean to give mental assent to uh, a fact, uh, to a historical event. In other words, our I believe in Jesus is very much the same as I believe in Abraham Lincoln. Uh, There's a huge difference between believing uh, a a fact to be true and truly trusting Christ and believing in the sense that the Bible teaches. And so I don't use the word anymore because people don't understand what it means. Instead, I use the word, do you love Jesus? Uh, it's a considerably more personal and more relational than simply uh, intellectual assent to a fact. First Corinthians 16:22. if anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Accursed means they go to hell. John 8:42, Jesus said to them, "If God were your Father, you would love me. If God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceed forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but He sent me." Ephesians 6:24, "Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, key question, are you in? For sure, ask the question, do I love Jesus or do I simply know some information about him? Number eight, if you start to drift away from the Lord, recommit your life to him as your savior and don't assume it's just the summer slump. So the the principle again, if you are genuinely saved, you won't backslide. You won't fall away, I guess is a better word to put it. If you do, then you weren't. And if you start slipping a little bit, don't just assume it's a summer slump. It probably is, but be safe. Uh, I got saved, I don't know, 30, 40 times Uh, because every time an invitation was given as a kid, I raised my hand and I went forward and did whatever. I was supposed to do. I didn't really know any better uh, because I just felt like the thing to do. Now at this point when somebody says, when did you get saved? I don't know. Sometime between the time I was 2 and 14. Uh, one of those I'm sure took because at the age of 14 uh, I began living for the Lord. I love the Lord. I served the Lord and I've never gone backwards since. Before then uh, it was iffy at best. Jeremiah seventeen nine: the heart is more deceitful than all else. Desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's my heart. It's sick. Who can know it? Who can understand it? Number 9, maintain a holy fear that you may be deceived that you might not really be saved and headed for heaven. Now I preached this sermon a couple of years ago in my Hebrews series and somebody raised their hand and says you know i don't like what you're just taught i said why is that i said because it makes me nervous i said well it ought to that's what the word of god is for Uh, not paralyzed fear but the kind of fear that would prompt us to do what paul said examine yourself test yourself to see if you're in the faith they're not difficult tests to take am i hungering and thirsting for righteousness am i bearing fruit do i love jesus Am I enduring, persevering? Hebrews uh, 4, 1 through 2, Therefore let us fear. That's not a good suggestion, that's a commandment. Let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Indeed, we have good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard so a little uh, second sermon. You get two sermons tonight. Uh, ten. Being asked to believe. Uh, the, the reason for pseudo-salvation. Being asked to believe in a false or incomplete gospel. There, there's some who would sort of. Say, oh, that doesn't really matter. But it appears to in the. Bible Romans 1 15 and 16 so from my part i am eager to preach the gospel to preach the gospel the question is what is the gospel that paul's preaching to you who are in rome for i am not ashamed of the gospel of the gospel it is the power of god for salvation the gospel is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes and so it's important that the content of what we communicate If I'm going to lead someone to Jesus, that I'm giving them the gospel and that they are believing in the gospel. And so here's a prayer if you want to talk about a sinner's prayer, a salvation prayer that I use that's in, I think it's in your notes, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Dear Jesus, I believe that you are God, that you're God. Jesus is God, not created by God, he is God. Equal with the Father, I believe that you emptied yourself Of all that you were as God and that you left heaven became exactly like me in every way. I believe that you never sinned, not even a little one, not even in thought or attitude. I believe that you were nailed to a cross. While you hung there, God the Father took my sins. This is personal belief. Took my sins, past, present, and future. Put them on you. Looked at you as if you actually committed the sins that I committed and punished you for my sins. I believe that you physically died on that cross, that you were buried, and that three days later you rose from the dead, that you are alive today. I love you. I will obey you. I will follow and serve you all the days of my life. And so the gospel, Jesus is God. Jesus became flesh. Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life. Jesus took my sins upon himself, and he was punished by the Father in my place. He died, he was buried, and he rose again three days later. That's the gospel, uh, and the full content of that, uh, that gospel, believing the power of the gospel for salvation to everyone who believes. And often we don't give the gospel. Uh, ask Jesus to come into your heart as a classic misrepresentation of the gospel. There's no gospel in that. Uh, it's from a passage of Revelation 3.20. It's not even written to lost people. It's written to uh, lukewarm Christians, uh, just believe in Jesus. Uh, again, that mental assent to a historical fact doesn't save people. And uh, this one is a, a, a biggie. I've visited with so many individuals, asked them uh, about their salvation experience, and they will tell me about an experience of walking an aisle at a church service or a Billy Graham crusade. And so I quiz them further about what they uh committed to or believed or accepted at that point and they have no answer for that. It's simply the experience of doing something. Number eleven, in today's culture believe in means to give mental assent to information or a statement to be true. So giving mental assent or saying yeah that's true, I believe it to be true is not what it means to believe in Jesus biblically speaking. So the key word that's often missing today in our presentation of the gospel and our own personal belief of it is the word repent. The word repent. Genuine salvation always includes repentance. So I went to Sierra Leone 22 times uh, from 2003 to about five years ago. And the first couple of times we went, we would have crusades and the reason is because we would start a church and so we would build a wooden stage, it was pretty rickety and we'd have a generator because there was no electricity and we'd have a a light bulb over the stage and we'd play some really loud music and have a sound system and people would come from the village, sometimes uh, uh, several thousand and then I would preach a sermon and they understood English and so they got it and then one of the pastors would give an invitation And they'd get pretty emotional and rambunctious about the invitation. And if there were 2,000 people there, 500 people would come forward to the invitation. And then myself and whoever else went on the trip, we would then visit with the people and talk to them about what they had just done. And I'll never forget the very first conversation I had with this fellow. I said, so uh, you want to become a follower of Jesus? He says... I want to become a Christian. I said, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want you're gonna. uh, I said, Why, why do you want to do this? Well, because I want to be rich. I said, Do you want to be rich? He said, You're a Christian, aren't you? I said, Yes. He said, And you're rich. Christians become rich. And I said. uh, That's not necessarily true. Does motive matter? What is it that legitimately is what brings someone to Jesus? Poverty? A tough life? Somewhere along the line, this became part of the gospel presentation for many organizations. Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life. And if you trust him, then you can experience that wonderful plan for your life. There's countries, if you become a believer, you end up getting martyred. You lose your job, your family ostracized. I mean, they kick you out. They'll have nothing to do with you. And uh, you run the risk of being put in jail and losing everything. That's not a wonderful plan. You certainly aren't going to be rich. So what's the legitimate motive for coming to Jesus. The legitimate motive for coming to Jesus is my sin, which is going to send me to hell. I want to become rich, but not in this life. I want to become rich in the next. That is, I want to go to heaven instead of hell. That's the motive for coming to Jesus. And my sin is my problem. It's what keeps me from heaven. Uh, And even one sin is all it takes to keep me from there. And so when a person acknowledges that I am lost, I am lost, I am a sinner, I don't deserve heaven, I can't make it on my own. That's the first step of repentance. Matthew four seventeen. from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent. That was the one word that was included in all of his sermons, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Luke 13, 3, I tell you, but unless you repent, you, you will perish. Unless you repent, you will perish, 2 Peter the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness. That is, the rapture hasn't happened yet. He's patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. For all to come to repentance. 13. Repentance is acknowledging or admitting that I am a sinner. That I deserve God's punishment and that I can't be good enough to save myself. So if You were here on Easter. I talked about the ABCs of becoming a believer in Christ. A is admit. Admit that I'm lost, that I am a sinner. Believe is to believe the gospel. C is to commit my life to Him, to following and serving Him. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. 2 Corinthians 7.10, for the sorrow... The sorrow, that's the grief, remorse over sin. The sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation. A sorrow, that is, I am a dirty, rotten sinner. There's a guilt and a grief and a sorrow over that sin. That sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation. And so repentance is what leads us to salvation. That repentance comes from the Spirit of God convicting us of our sin. Fourteen, a key part of our salvation is our choosing to follow Jesus or committing our life to Him. So again, this isn't uh, a sense that I have to be perfect, but it is certainly a pursuit of, of a life of pleasing Him, of serving Him. a lost person is genuinely saved by the ABC's admit that we are a sinner can't be good enough to get to heaven on our own believe in the complete gospel and commit to following Jesus as your Savior as your Savior because you love him because you love him not because you are obligated but the changed heart in you gives you that desire to please him and to bear fruit and it's an indicator that you have in, indeed been born again. When you're born again from the inside out, the Spirit of God working in you produces in you the hunger and thirst for righteousness, produces in you this desire to bear fruit and the strength to do that. And the Spirit of God convicts us of sin, and we're continually working at uh, conquering that sin, overcoming that sin, and becoming increasingly more holy uh, with God so I don't have any doubt uh, of you in here tonight I didn't preach this sermon to get you to say oh man I wonder if I'm really a Christian the main reason is so that you as you pursue lost people and attempt to bring them into the family of God as you witness to people that you would do that in a way that produces genuine conversions Uh, because this uh, falling away that happens I mean is sort of Almost rampant at times, the number of people that grow up in the church and then pff, they, they're they just—it's like they never even knew Him. Well, it's clear from the Bible that they weren't genuine, genuine believers. They were saved with a pseudo gospel, uh, either not hearing the complete gospel or for the wrong reason or whatever it might be. But it's obvious when Jesus says, "Many will stand before Me." and say, Jesus, I did all this stuff, and he'll de- say, depart from me, many. And so I'm praying always that th- that the people that I have influence over will not be one of those who stand before him at some point and hear him say that to them, and then all of a sudden, t- there's no parachute. Uh, there's nothing uh, that's saving my soul to heaven forever. So t- Test yourself. Test yourself. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you grieve over your own sin? Do you have a desire to do something with your life that matters, that makes a difference in the lives of other people? Do you love Jesus? Do you say that? Yeah, I do. I love Jesus with all my heart. And are you running the race with endurance? Um, That's pretty simple questions. Uh, You don't even need a coin to determine the answer on that one. It's just Examine your own heart and life. And uh, you, you want to do well at that point in your life where Jesus says, enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. But the key thing is lead people to Jesus. Uh, witness, influence, uh, but do the gospel, all five points. And don't make it easy. Easy doesn't work. Jesus is doing it. He's drawing. The Spirit of God is enlightening. We don't have to make it easy. We just have to make it accurate and true. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We love you. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you that it is uh, given to us as a gift. And as we truly, Lord, sorrow over our sin and recognize that we can't save ourselves and Trust you, believe the gospel, and commit our life to you. You change us, your spirit indwells us, and we live a life that becomes increasingly more holy, and we bear fruit for your glory. And I I just pray that as we influence people around us, as we uh, pursue being a witness for you, that uh, we'll want to do that uh, carefully. Grant us the wisdom to know what to say always. Grant us the boldness to say things given the opportunity. Use us, Lord, as your ambassadors. Use us as your witness. Bring many people to Christ through us. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.